Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift of life, the gift of joy and peace that you've given us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would speak to us this morning. Speak to us your words of grace, of mercy. Speak to us your words which call us to follow you, Lord, and to trust in you. We pray, Lord God, that you would place your word in my mouth, that I might faithfully proclaim it this morning, and that you would place your word in all of our mouths, that we might be faithful in proclaiming the hope that is ours in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would lead us together in this service into greater unity and peace and joy. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It is fabulous to see you all this morning. Now, in the past, we used this word following to mean following someone, right? Like if you were following someone, what were you doing? Walking behind them or driving behind them or, you know, you'd see it in old like cop and robber movies. You'd have somebody following you or in spy movies like, you know, during the Cold War, you'd have somebody following you. Today, following is used very differently, right? In social media, you can follow somebody and do they know what you're doing behind them? No, they have no idea you're following. I mean, they have to ask to follow you. But then other than that, they can be following you all the time. You have no idea. Right? Isn't that fun? Right? Following has kind of changed in its essence. Uh, we see the Jesus call to his disciples and say to them, do you remember what he says? Come follow me, right? And what do they do? They like him on social media. And then that was it, right? They, they went back to fishing. No, they picked up, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. They followed him, literally. Uh, the expression that, they, that is used to speak about the relationship between a rabbi and a disciple is that the, the dirt that falls off the bottom of the sole of the rabbi's sandal should land on the top of the foot of the disciple. Like, your steps should be so close to the steps of the rabbi that that dirt, as he lifts his foot, the dirt falls on your foot as you step in his footprint. Right? So that's like this biblical model of following that we see still lived out in many cultures. In our Old Testament passage for today, we have this following relationship, this discipleship relationship between Elijah and Elisha. And really, I think this passage that we have is a microcosm of the Christian life in just a few short verses. We begin with, uh, they are leaving this place um, called Gilgal. And so it is, the, we begin with choosing to enter the promised land, choosing to commemorate that event. Then we move to the step two, which is confirming the covenant, covenant and entering the house of God. Step three is fighting the good fight, knowing that the Lord is the one fighting on your behalf. And step four is going into eternal life. Now let's see how these different locations that they speak about in this passage reveal those four steps to us. Now, this account of Elijah being taken up into heaven is an amazing story, one which has provided inspiration for countless works of art, including the great film Chariots of Fire. Right? Dun, 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 dun. right? That is inspired by this passage that we'll read to get today. Because those chariots of fire are a metaphor for divine energy, divine power taking us out of our world and bringing us to God himself. But our journey for today begins with Elijah and Elisha as they are leaving a place called Gilgal. Our passage says, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. 
And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. We'll see this pattern over and over again, where Elijah will say, okay, I'm going here, you stay there. And what does Elisha say to Elijah every time? No. That's right. Typically, if the, if the master said to the disciple, stay here, what would the disciple do? Right, yes, this is what you would expect. Do this, they do that. But no, in this we see the breaking of that every time. All these, from these different places, Elisha's always like, no, I'm going to go where you're going to go. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be with you. So the movement from this place of Gilgal, as you remember, Gilgal is the place where Israel commemorated their entrance into the promised land. In the book of Joshua, uh, they crossed through the Jordan River on dry land, even though the river was at flood stage. The Lord God stopped the flow of the river so that the Israelites could cross through on dry land. And then on the other side, in Gilgal, they commemorated their crossing into the promised land, their entrance into that place that had been spoken to them for generations by taking 12 stones from the bottom of the river, the dry riverbed, bringing them up on land and setting them up as a place of remembrance that God was the one who had given them, given them this land and had made it possible for them to enter it. Right? From slavery to freedom to belonging. Gilgal signified God's faithfulness. And it was the beginning of their life in this promised land of being his people and them being their God. Them and him being their God. It was also done, according to Joshua, so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. It's this, you see, this event was supposed to carry on through their relationship with God and the relationships of everyone else with God as well. That's what the stones, that's what the dry river were all supposed to signify. And so Gilgal really signifies that beginning of relationship and the relationship is grounded in the power of God. Next, they go to a place called Bethel. Now, you'll remember that Bethel is a place where Jacob had his dream, right? As he's sleeping as a dream with a ladder or a stairway and there's angels going up it. Ladder or stairway is not so important. It depends on, I guess, what song you like, whether you're into We Are Climbing Jacob's Ladder or Stairway to Heaven, right? Whichever one you think is kind of your spiritual journey. So it's in that place that the promise to Jacob was spoken again, where the Lord says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. That is Bethel. That is Bethel. And the name Bethel, anyone know what the name means? Beth means house of. Same as Bethlehem. Beth, house of. El is God. House of God. That's what Bethel means. And it's in that place, the house of God, that Jacob had this vision of the stairway to heaven. And in remembrance of that event, uh, people have been falling asleep in the house of God ever since. It's very spiritual. Got you on that one, huh? There we go. 
So this second element in it, the second element in this Christian life, right? You have the covenant confirmed in Jacob, and he is in the house of God. He's in the house of God. And it's in that house of God that we develop, that we grow, that we mature as Christians. But it's all based on that covenant that God has already made with us, that he's already established, and that he has been faithful to carry out. And here again in Bethel, Elijah tells Elisha to stay behind, but Elisha says, no way. No, I'm going with you. Wherever you go, I go. I'm going with you, Elijah. And so they go on to their next location, a place you might have heard of, a place called Jericho. Right, and what is Jericho known for? The walls of Jericho, the battle of Jericho, the walls come tumbling down. And how was that battle won? How did the walls tumble? Was it very clever mechanical devices the Israelites made up? In a very um, unorthodox method of winning battles and toppling walls, they walk around the city. Walk around the city. And then they blow trumpets and shout, and at that point, the walls come tumbling down. Whose power was it that brought the walls down? God's, right? It was God's power. And so we see in this place, Jericho, that it signifies that the battle is not fought or won by human hands, but by the hands of God. Jericho signifies, as well, the battle of the Christian life. The battle to trust in the Lord to fight on our behalf. To be willing to do the ridiculous. Because is walking around a city and shouting ridiculous, expecting the walls to come down? Yes. yes. Willing to do the ridiculous if God calls us to do. That's what Jericho signifies. A Christian life which sometimes seems absurd, what God asks us to do. And yet a willingness to trust in him and to wait on him. To wait for him to bring the victory. That is the Christian life. And Elijah tells Elisha to stay here, but he says, no way, I'm not staying in Jericho. That is not the end. He chooses to go on with him to the next place. And the next place is the Jordan River. At this place, at the Jordan River, they will, in effect, do the opposite of what the Israelites did and commemorated at Gilgal, right? They will cross again the Jordan River, except for this time, leaving the promised land and going out into the wilderness, And they'll do it on dry land again because Elijah rolls up his cloak, smacks the water, the waters recede, and they're able to walk through on dry land, out of the promised land and into the wilderness. Now the image of crossing the Jordan has for a long time signified to Christians the entering into death and the receiving of eternal life. Crossing the Jordan has been a metaphor of that. It's been an image where we are leaving this world and going to another. And it's in this place as well that Elijah is taken into heaven. Now on that other side of the river, Elijah asks Elisha, tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you, to which Eliza asked for what? Do you guys remember? Double portion of his spirit. That's right. And he's like, hey, that's difficult, but if you see me, you'll get it. And then, as they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. What does that signify? Mourning? That's right. 
And do you, it doesn't say in our passage, but do you know what Elisha put on after he tore his clothes in half? Or did he become a perpetual, um, like, clothing minimalist? <laughs> what did he do? Do you guys remember? No, remember that mantle that Elijah had whacked the water with? That's what he put on. He put on the mantle of his master, the clothing of his master, the clothing which his master had used to spread the waters, to provide access into this land on the other side of the Jordan. Elisha used that clothing as his own garment and repeated the miracle by after this event, he goes and whacks the water and it opens again for him, confirming that the spirit of Elisha is on Elisha as well. His ministry will be blessed. This small passage of scripture, 12 simple verses, holds in it the scope of the Christian life. We begin by choosing to enter the life of a follower of God at Gilgal and commemorate that, right? That event of God's provision of entrance into the promised land, into the hope, the hope that's been spoken of to, to generations before us. Through faith, we enter that. We enter that. Not by our own power, but by the power of God who opens the waters that we can come in. The second step is the covenant is confirmed. That message of hope becomes ours, becomes a message for us as well, not just for those before us, but for you and I. And then we enter the house of God. And it's there we see God working in his power and in his glory. Christian life is developed and built in this house of God where we encourage and challenge and bless one another and we see his power lived out. The third step, symbolized by Jericho, is that fighting of the good fight, that boldness to, with joy in our hearts, trust that God will fulfill what he has called us to do, that he will give us strength, that he will fight the battles on our behalf. And that even though he calls us to do crazy things, it seems, things which the world mocks us for, God will there be present and will provide the victory. And the fourth piece is going into eternal life. That God will again part those waters. and That he will allow us to enter into his promised land. The land of peace, of glory, and life eternal. And it's there on the other side of the Jordan, that he clothes us, clothes us with his garments, his garments of righteousness, his garments of strength, perfection, and glory. Now we live thousands of years after Elisha, and we don't have him to follow as we go through these steps, right? I mean, he's not here physically, Elisha is not with us physically, that we can just walk him, walk around with him and follow him and do what he does and learn from him. Right? We don't have the advantage of that. But I would encourage and challenge each of us to find someone in our spiritual life, someone who we respect, someone who is mature in the faith, someone who has been walking the walk, and follow them. Follow them. Partner with them. Join with them in their journey. We call this process discipleship. And it's something that we should actively pursue in our Christian lives. Because it is the biblical model for how to grow in our faith and to stay strong till the end. So find someone. Ask the Lord to provide a person for us. A person to walk with in this journey. Because the Christian life is not a life that should be walked alone. We also 
each of us, in addition to finding someone to follow, have our Lord Jesus Christ to follow as well. He has gone over the Jordan River, and he has returned. The first time Jesus crossed the Jordan River was after his baptism. If you'll remember, we'll be celebrating this event coming up in the season of Lent, where Jesus crossed into the wilderness over the Jordan River, and for 40 days fasted and was tempted by the devil and was faithful and then came back across the Jordan River and led his disciples in his ministry and changed the world. Jesus then, a second time, crossed the Jordan River, this in the metaphorical sense, when he was crucified, died, and then came back over that river in his resurrection, returned to us so that we could see that he has provided the way to eternal life. That is the hope that's ours in Jesus Christ. We trust in one who has crossed the river twice and who provides his garments of salvation for us so that we can walk in his footsteps and serve him as his people. May we trust in him today, trust in him to lead us in our lives and ask him to give us other people to follow as well as we follow him and trust in him with our whole hearts and with our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for this relationship between Elijah and Elisha. Lord, thank you for in it showing us the pattern of the Christian life. One of entrance, one of remembrance and commemoration. One, Lord God, where the covenant is then confirmed and we enter the house of God for strength and for sustenance. One in which we fight the good fight, Lord God. Lord, by your grace and mercy, we take on the enemies of your life, Lord. The enemies of peace, the enemies of love, the enemies of grace and joy, Lord God. And we seek to proclaim your goodness in this world and to speak out against darkness. And then, Lord a journey which ultimately leads with us being restored and returned to you in eternal life as we cross the Jordan. We pray, Lord God, that if we come came into this place today without faith, that you would give us faith, give us the ability to trust, give us the desire to follow. Lord God, we pray for your peace and grace and mercy to be poured out in our lives. Lord, and help us Help us to find someone to follow or someone to follow us, Lord, in our Christian life that we might build them up and be built up by them and encourage and challenge and bless one another to serve you. Lord God, and like Elisha, may we never leave you, but always be willing to follow you to the next place. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.